Hey friends, I'm Sabrina, the rookie around here. John and Dick are the old school American fans of F1. Thanks for taking time to listen in on a conversation we had about Logan Sargent. As we shared during our rookies episode, it's tough to get into F1, and it's even tougher to stay in there. The guys and I discuss Logan's road to Formula One and long-term prospects. Quick note, we recorded this episode before Red Bull and AlphaTauri's announcement about Nick DeVries. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Okay, gentlemen, our rookies conversation is focused on the 2023 grid. I'm excited because the one that we're about to talk about is Logan Sargent, the only American on the grid. I think it's really important that as we go through these three rookies that are on the 2023 grid, that Logan's road is really elaborated on, that we understand how he got to be where he is today, having a realistic understanding of how tough it is to stay on the grid. It'll help especially narrow it down why it's hard in general for Americans to get onto the F1 grid. I think he's a great case study on that. John, help us understand him, just kind of some basics, which would be, where is he from? Obviously, he's from America, but if you want to give any more details about where he is in the United States, where he's from, and does the United States have a driver development program focused on F1? How old is he? A little bit of his bio. Where did he race before he got onto the grid? His driving style? Did he do karting? Was he a part of any driver academies? I'm not sure where he was born, but I think his home is Miami, Florida, Florida in any case. He's 22 years old, uh, the same as the Oscar Piastri, which is a good age to come into Formula One. He was part of the Williams Driver Academy uh, late in his career, I think only just the year before he actually joined Williams. He started racing, as is typical of these guys, he started racing go-karts when he was eight years old. From there, he actually had quite a successful racing career in karts, uh, being the first American to win the National Karting Championship since uh, Lance Speed, which was way back in the the last century. Land speed or Scott speed? Lake speed. Oh, okay. Lake speed. Got it. Lake, mm-hmm. lake speed somebody that Dick and I would recognize, but Absolutely. no one no one else who was born in the last hundred years uh, would recognize that. But but he was the last American to win the uh, world championship of karting, the FIA karting championship. Uh, so that's a that's quite a, an accomplishment uh, for anybody. One of the reasons that he was able to do that as and to be as competitive is that when he was a teenager, his family, uh, which is quite wealthy, thankfully, he's part of that really um, exclusive club that is uh, one can be born into, uh, the son of a billionaire. But he was able to move to Europe and start karting there. In 2016, he moved into Formula Four in the uh, United Arab Emirates, finished second in that championship, which is another uh, quite a quite a good credential early on for him. He ran then in the next, uh, that's run in the fall. So in the next year, 2017, uh, he joined the Carlin Racing Team, which is quite good running the British Formula Four Championship. He finished third there, but interestingly, his teammate, who he who he finished runner-up to, uh, was Oscar Piastri. So these two were on the same team racing against each other. Uh, sorry, they weren't on the same team. The next year, they were on the same team. But he was racing against Oscar Piastri. And then the second year, 
they went to the uh, Formula Renault series and he had three wins, uh, seven podiums and finished fourth in the championship, which is quite good. Uh, Then he moved on to a different team, which I thought was kind of interesting. But that team, his teammate in that team then was Oscar Piastri. So I think that he he moved over there. I would suspicion that he did part of that in order to, because he felt the team was better, but also he would have access to Oscar's data uh, inside the team, which I think would was a very smart move on his part and shows some uh, some thinking there. Did the teams court him or was it a struggle for him to get onto the F1 grid? Logan is probably the luckiest guy in Formula One right now. He's certainly the luckiest rookie. And the reason for that is because of a whole, what shall we say, kerfuffle that occurred in the racing teams. He was part of the Williams Driving Academy. However, the interesting thing is that there was this problem in Formula One and that the teams really were in a pickle. Nicholas Latifi, who we've talked about previously was in his third year at Williams and he really wasn't doing well. Probably the money was running thin at Williams and they needed another driver. Well, Oscar Piastri was who they really wanted, but he, in a good move on his part, as we can see from recent events, he did did not take up that option. He joined McLaren instead. Well, then Williams said, well, who else is out there? And they saw Nick DeVries, uh, who had replaced Alex Albon uh, at Williams. And basically, they went after him. But AlphaTauri swooped him up. So that left them with no other choice, really, other than Sargent. And so he became, because of his championship year in Formula, or his, his year in Formula Two, he actually finished uh, like four points behind Piastri in Formula Two. So that was a that was a good year for him. He looks good. Williams then went to him, and they did recruit him if he could get the super license points that he needed. And he did a very very strong bit of end of season driving with two wins and two pole positions. Ended up with enough points to win the uh, to to be able to get a super license. So he was recruited by Williams, but he was not their first choice. He wasn't their second choice, but he was their final choice. He really did a good job of earning his way to the super license. I'd want to now ask you, what do you think most people miss when they evaluate Logan? This goes back to a what has he done previously? And and he like DeVries has spent a number of years. He spent three years in Formula 3. That is not particularly, in my view, a good recipe for moving forward. He was, in his final year of Formula 3, he actually had financial difficulties and had to he had planned on moving up to Formula Two. This is this is what happens sometimes: is the budget was just not there to move to Formula Two. Uh, so he ended up having to sign with a a team that later, the, I think the year after he was with them, basically went bankrupt. So he had to go to a team that was really not a a team that was very highly rated. And he did, he finished seventh in the series that year and gave that team their first win in Formula Three. So he he was able to get results even when he wasn't with the top team. So I think that that speaks to his capacity to 
to really drive a car that is not necessarily the best car, which I think is certainly true of Williams at this point, although they they look pretty darn good at the British Grand Prix. But he's able to to get in there and do the work, and that seems to be his uh, the thing that I think fans should should see about him is that he he's able to get in there and do the work, and we'll see what kind of um, season he ends up having by the end of the year. So, what kind of runway then do you think he has to prove himself? Let me ask you this: Is it longer than you think? think than Nick? Is it shorter than Oscar or the same as Oscar? I don't think it's as long as Oscar. I think it might be a little longer than Nick because Nick is in the Red Bull Academy or the Red Bull Garage, basically. And uh, they tend to act more quickly and uh, shed blood a little easier. I think that that Williams is more of a, even though it's still um, named Williams, it is a corporate entity, Doralton Capital, that owns it. Uh, they're definitely focused on results. But I do think that the popularity of Formula One in the United States, as it's growing through Netflix and other events now, like Miami and Las Vegas, uh, I do think that an American presence is very, very necessary in Formula One mm-hmm. for Formula One to continue to be successful in the America and to continue to grow the the fan base here, which is ultimately about money, lots of money, marketing money. I think that he has a brighter future than DeVries. He's still going to have to produce results. I'm just a little hesitant to say that I think he's going to be a, a great driver. I think that he's probably going to be there for at least three years. And depending on his results and Williams' progress, I think that that's really going to tell the tale. And ask me at the uh, this point next year what I think about him, and I think I'll have a better idea of where he stands. Yeah. Well, Dick, I wonder what your thoughts are on this. Well, very much mirrors John's. And of course, you know, we're having this conversation the day after the British Grand Prix. I have to tell you, I thought Logan showed a lot of Tiger in his driving. He smelled Lance Stroll up the road in the Aston Martin, and he dug in and he caught him. And while he didn't pass him on the road, he was doing everything he possibly could to get around Lance. And I think on the track, I think he was only a few tenths of a second behind Lance at the end of the race. What Logan showed me was the ability to dig in when he had a car that actually was working well and get after it. He has a much more experienced, uh, much more well thought of teammate in Alex Albon. Albon finished a couple of places ahead of Logan, certainly did a better job in qualifying. But with the drying track conditions and all that, for all I know, Logan may have gotten caught out because certainly during free practice, Logan was, I know he finished one of the free practices in the top 10. That showed me a lot. Now, we know the Williams is a track-specific car. The next race is at Hungary. My guess is, is neither Albon or Logan will show very well there because that's not a circuit that suits the Williams. But I think that we may see similar displays when they travel to the faster circuits. You know, spot could be real interesting for, for Williams and for American fans. Like I said, I for all those reasons, I finished the weekend kind of happy for Logan, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I would say this too. I, I felt like 
this was his very best race so far, yep. his best qualifying. Yep. And we all know qualifying conditions were very challenging, and he did handle that very well. And I was pleased to, to see that American flag flying behind him, too. You know, the, the thing is, we don't have enough Americans in Formula One for very good reasons. And that is that we don't have any kind of a program that develops Americans for Formula One. All of the programs in racing in the United States tend to go very naturally, very normally towards IndyCar or NASCAR. And there's every good reason in the world for it. It's much more economical. It's much more within grasp. It's much more realistic for our, our kids. But if we're going to be competitive internationally, we really need a driver program that encourages the kids and supports them. That's a very expensive proposition, but it can be done. There are models out there. We, we know how to develop those programs. Programs. We know how they work. They can be made to work if there's support for them. And that's the key to us having Americans. If we see nothing else than in listening to these stories of the rookies this year, they're the same stories of the rookies of every year. They're the same stories of all of the drivers who are in Formula One. All of them come through the European racing series, the lower formulas, even karting, but especially the lower formulas. They have to be racing on those tracks as they develop their skills so that they know the tracks, they know the teams and how that team's culture works. And if you don't have those components, it's just not possible for an American to move to Europe later in their career and be successful at Formula One racing. It's just not going to happen, except in the very, very, very rarest of occasions. Well, I think that is very helpful for any new person to Formula One to understand the rookies as a whole, and specifically Logan and his road to the F1 grid to have an understanding of how tough it is to get in, especially as you said, John, how hard it is for Americans to get onto the grid. And now looking at Logan and how much runway does he have before decisions are going to be made as to his continuing on that grid to stay there. So this has been fantastic, gentlemen. I thank you for your time and look forward to future conversations maybe on any of these drivers as we watch them progress. Okay, friends, what did you think of this conversation? The guys and I want to know what you thought. Drop me a line via email, sabrina at twoguysagirlandf1.com. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes. We're going to discuss each of the current rookies on the grid. Are you following us on social media? We're in all the usual places. Follow us. Thanks to those who are sending messages and comments. Feedback from you, our listeners, our two guys, a girl and F1 community has been humbling and really encouraging to John, Dick and me. We know that this is a crowded market. So your words have been and continue to help us build a community and content that we believe in. Thank you. Based on your feedback, we know that if someone hears us, they stick around. So we need your help to get higher in the podcast rankings. Please take a moment to rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. Continue sharing our show with your fellow F1 fans. It's listeners like you that are making this podcast a success. It's your endorsement that helps us build the two guys, a girl and F1 community. Maybe you're new to the podcast. If so, check out our earlier episodes where John, Dick and I share our F1 origin stories. And if you're a rookie to F1, then check out our F1 101 episode. Consider it a primer, the tip of the iceberg. 
And thank you to our followers who are supporting the show. You are making this show possible. John, Dick, and I don't take it for granted. If you're not a member already, check out the support the show link in the episode notes. And with that, let me say, that ends this conversation. But rest assured, we'll keep talking and you can keep listening in because we're just two guys, a girl, and F1. For John, Dick, and me, Sabrina, thanks for listening.